Good evening and welcome. It is Monday night. This is the Independence Gang. I'm your host, JV, along with co-host Britt Griffith. We've got Chase and Vince with us tonight, two excellent guest panelists, although I did notice a couple things about Vince tonight. First of all, if you take the N out, it's Vice, and I think he's trying to hide something there. Uh, also, if you look at his his last name, Casal, there's a sale, like California sale. Are you for sale at any price, Vince? Is that what you're telling us here? Uh, some people would probably uh, tell you that, that I am. <laughs> Welcome to the program, Chase. Good to have you here with us. You've been a busy boy. All sorts of watch parties going on there. What is going on in the Chase Geyser uh, Getter feed? What's happening there? I'm living the dream. That's what's happening. <laughs> I'm playing old episodes. I'm playing band episodes. I'm hanging out with trolls, chai comms, you name it. They're all in the thread. Wow. That's a productive little thread you got going on there. I know. I Brit, look forward to it every day. Brit, you got the what? flannel on again. What? The flannel is on. Are you it's feeling? Cold. Are you feeling particularly lumberjacky today, or what? Um, not only not only do I have lumberjack, I also have flannel pajamas on. You have... Autumn, so I match. This oh. is my leg right here. <laughs> nice. <laughs> and I'm wearing cowboy boots. Oh, boy. All right. Well, we didn't need all that information. Hey, everybody. JV here. Please take a minute and consider supporting the program. Our expenses are going up just like everyone else's, and it takes a lot to bring the show to you five nights a week. So we'd appreciate you going to the website, independencegang.com. Click on the Donate tab, or you can just type in independencegang.com slash donate and spend a minute considering giving us a gift to help us fund our operations here. The Independence Gang is a labor of love, but there are expenses associated with it, and we appreciate your help. Uh, anyway, welcome to everybody who's joining us through all the chat rooms. I'm kind of vamping a little bit here to make sure everything's working. We've had some, I don't know if, you, if, if Vince, if you've experienced any of this, but uh, Restream, which we use to distribute to a few of our platforms, has been very unreliable recently, and I'm not sure why. I think everything is working. I think it's all come up, and we're all good to go here. So we can, we can get started. What? You're going to say something, Vince? You look like you had something oh, very no, important. no, no, no. I, I... All of my technology has been janky ever since we've uh, had a little dust up with Russia. That's all I know. Interesting. That's true. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. yeah. Ah, well, when we get to that segment here, we'll have to have to talk about that a little bit. But I want to start with something else because it looks like uh, it looks like the Canadian protests have uh, have uh, made some significant impact around the Capitol. They're going to be putting a fence around the Capitol building for the uh, State of the Union address, which is March 1st, because there has been rumored Freedom Convoy protests heading to D.C., trying to time their arrival in D.C. with the State of the Union address. What are your thoughts on this, Chase? Uh, you know, we, we all knew once they did it the first time, once that line was crossed, that this, this was going to become a regular thing, obviously only when conservatives protest in some fashion. Yeah, I don't blame them for putting the fence up. I think that's, you know, something that uh, unpopular uh, leaders do in countries where they're afraid of their own people. And um, I, obviously, I don't think he's got anything to be afraid of, given that um, I think the FBI is pretty much under control. And I don't expect them to be doing anything like January 6th again. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah, it doesn't surprise me one bit. They love the wall when it, when it protects them, but they don't seem to care about it at the border. 
Yeah, that's that's the uh, contrast here, Vince. Uh, the wall goes up around the Capitol when they feel like two things will happen here. First of all, it protects them physically, but also they can use it to kind of send a message that those damn uh, white conspiracists, uh, white right-wing conservative uh, agitators are at it again. Uh, the Democrats have no end uh, really to to their hypocrisy, whether it's uh, building walls around themselves and 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 uh, you know opposing walls uh, when it comes to protecting your country, they do the same thing with gun control. Uh, hell, they do the same thing with uh, with guns. They do the same thing with uh, women. Let's be honest. They have they they own they just they own the market when it comes to hypocrisy in politics. They really do. And I I, I don't even know what to say now. What the hell are you wearing, Brit? And what does it say? Uh, my mother got me a gift, a couple gifts. It says, this is the government our founders, the founders warned us about with an American flag. Oh, this side. And then she got me this t-shirt that said, we the people are pissed. Nice. So my mom dropped those off, but my head's cold. So I said, you know what? I'm gonna put my hat on. Because <laughs> in the cave, in the back cave, it is freezing right now. It's like, it's like 72 degrees. Talk a little bit so, about this, this again, once that line was crossed and the Democrats decided they were going to make a political statement by putting a fence up, plus they did want to, I think, uh, they, they, they themselves felt vulnerable, as Democrats generally do. So they put the fence up. They didn't put a fence up around in Minneapolis when people were burning things to the ground. They didn't put a fence up, uh, you know, in uh, Kenosha when there was stuff going on there. They didn't put a, a fence up in Waukesha when stuff was happening. Mean, they don't put fences up when their people are rioting and burning, but uh, when they think they can score some political points, the fence goes up. Yeah, I don't even think they care about the fence and what's coming to stop damage. This is all visual. See, the, these people that are running our government are in their 70s and 80s, and they are using the 80s playbook, the 1980s playbook, not the at their age. So they don't realize that there's this thing called the internet, that uh, we, sh we live stream, that we can get around the three news networks uh, and the narratives that they want to push. They don't realize that. So this to the they think this is going to work and it's going to stoke fear in the American people. And they're going to hate the, the, the rubes, the Trumpists, the, the maggots, the, the, the people who want our country first. We want our jobs back. We want our factory factories back. They think this fencing will scare enough of the masses that they'll tell the rubes and the maggots to sit down and shut up. What they don't realize is that most of us are looking at them going, you guys are dumb and you need to go. And I pray to God 2022 and 2024 change a lot of this stuff. And if they steal everything, then it's a different animal after that. I just want to comment here. We've had some people in our chat room saying the volume needs to come up. Uh, I just made a change, so let me know if that, that helps. Uh, for some reason, Windows, every once in a while, decides it's going to get into your sound control panel and make adjustments for you because it thinks it knows best, and it screws things up royally, and it's done that. So I'm hoping that that's okay. all. Yeah, I'm hoping that solved the problem. All right, I'm going to change the subject here because uh, we all know, uh, I'm sure we've heard the news today, Vladimir Putin gave some long diatribe speech uh, to his countrymen 
today talking about past sins against Russia and the Soviet Union. It all relates to Ukraine. And then he declared that Russia was recognizing the independence of several breakaway Ukrainian provinces, now calling them republics. And then he sent his, quote unquote, peacekeepers in uh, to defend those provinces from some type of Ukrainian effort to retake them. This is a very, very volatile situation. And I was going to start with another part of this, Vince, but I think this is really worth talking about. This came from actually uh, Geraldo Rivera, which I think is an odd source, but the point is very, very valid and others are making it as well. Uh, Geraldo Rivera said the things that are going on right now to avoid a cliche, but to speak very honestly, sounds a lot like what Hitler did. And there's so many parts of what Putin is doing that does, in fact, sound exactly uh, like the plan that Hitler uh, enacted when he started his expansion. Uh, in fact, one of the things that Putin said was that he wanted to unravel the post-Cold War agreements that humiliated Russia. Chase, you know that uh, Hitler basically uttered that same exact line but referred to the Treaty of Versailles, which was the treaty that ended World War One. So even from that statement alone, we're looking at the same playbook being used here. Yeah, I think that um, a lot of times we make the mistake of convoluting everything that Hitler did as blatantly evil when the evil thing that he did was the Holocaust. So I'm not intimately familiar with the Sudetenland uh, stuff that he did. I know that he annexed a lot of territories that he claimed were part of the original fatherland of Germany. I'm not sure that that part of what he did was the evil part. I, you know, I think it's the gas chambers is sort of where I draw the line. And so you can compare <laughs> Putin to Hitler all you want. But if, he's, if, he, if he feels or if the, if the majority of people feel, and I don't know what these provinces feel, maybe these provinces don't even want to be uh, separated from Ukraine and this is just all a facade. I have no idea. But if they feel that they're actually part of uh, their, their own re republic and they, they want Russian protection, then I, you know, that's their right. I believe in states' rights in the United States. I don't understand why I wouldn't support it in Ukraine. Vince, uh, Chase referred to the Sudetenland. That's a part of Czechoslovakia. Czechoslovakia no longer exists, by the way. But in, in the 1930s, it did. It was a nation that was created after World War I. And uh, Hitler claimed that much of that nation, the western portion of that nation, was actually uh, German-speaking Germans, and they had been absorbed into Czechoslovakia. And he demanded that those Germans be reunited to Germany. And so famously, Neville Chamberlain flew over from England, had a meeting with Hitler, and they they agreed to allow Hitler to take and hold the Sudetenland. And immediately after that, Hitler marched into the rest of Czechoslovakia, took the whole thing. Uh, it was it was it was not necessarily right. done with uh, uh, in in a, in a battle or in a war sense. He did it from a plebiscite. He went in and had this false election and said those folks wanted to join Germany. So this is again we're watching this almost point by point repeat itself. Y yes, uh, there's you know I, I, I'm torn uh, to to find what the uh, what the end game is here, and I, I keep going back and forth uh, between. This is a power move by Putin, or it's actually a power move by Joe Biden. And there seems to be so much saber rattling, and I understand that's what happens, you know, before we get into a conflict like this. But one of the things that I find fascinating is is 
the our our government's uh, projecting of what's about to happen. Uh, it was just a few days ago they were talking about you know an attack is imminent. And then we were hearing reports about the uh, building of uh, the buildup of, of troops and, and uh, along the border. Um, and then we heard that the order has been given to attack, but still there's no attack. And then all of a sudden we start hearing again about diplomatic. Uh, there's more diplomatic talks that are going to that are going to happen. And they're talking about sanctions and they're talking. And I, I get this feeling that we're somewhere between what you're saying is this is going to be the move that that. Putin's going to lay some claim to to Ukraine through some sort of diplomatic means and then use that to get, you know, take a, take an inch to go get the next mile. Or is is something going on? And of course, we know about the Bidens and, and Russia and that connection. And that's becoming clear on the whole other spectrum of, of, of what's going on here. But there's part of me that wonders if there's a setup coming up that they make this attack look so imminent. And at the 11th hour, Biden's going to come in with some solution and save the day. And now we're starting to talk to Putin emulating, you know, emulating uh, uh, Hitler and, and, and Joe Biden goes in again. I think I, I used this term uh, last time I was on, you know, he's looking for his Reagan moment. He's going to come swooping in and he's going to, you know, stop an invasion. Uh, he's going to stop a, uh, now you can, you know, a, a genocide. Yeah, you, there's, it just, it just seems like it's culminating in, what I believe is either one of one of these two scenarios, either either it's it's Putin looking looking to get get that little win or Biden looking to get his his what maybe we could say his first win of his presidency here before the midterms. Uh, Britt, I want to move on to uh, what happened today and the Biden administration's reaction to it, because, as I mentioned, Putin uh, recognized the independence of two former Ukrainian provinces, and then he moved quote-unquote, peacekeepers in, Russian troops in, to uh, to maintain a presence there. So even uh, CNN is having a problem with how Biden and the administration rep- responded to this. Jen Psaki said in a statement that, President, quote, President Biden will soon issue an executive order that will prohibit new investment, trade, and financing by U.S. persons to, from, or in the so-called DNR and LNR regions of Ukraine. Those are the two provinces that we're talking about here. So Biden's response to this was, no U.S. people can make an investment in those two regions. Even CNN is saying this was a really weak response. So let's think about big picture. Big picture is we have Klaus Schwab, the Devos Group, the billionaires, the agendas, you know, Atlantic Council, Tides Foundation, Soros, all this crazy one world order, great reset stuff going on. Do we think that Putin's not going to be a part of that reset? I mean, the, he controls nuclear weapons, uh, a pretty formidable army. I mean, a good sized army um, that could be damaging if need be. Um, so he's part of this whole reset and he's going to keep his little kingdom over there. So he's in on this. They need to distract us from the shit going down in Canada right now. Canada is, is such a, uh, a sore thumb in this great reset with the way that Trudeau handled it. They need to distract from it. And they also need to distract from it because this is their chance to get the, 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 the Chinese style social credit score stuff implanted. At least, at least the freeways and the off ramps and the, 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 uh, the hardware installed may not trigger it yet, but it's there, so when they can. So my guess is is that when they go to these Atlantic Council Foundation meetings or the little, you know, whatever the hell they do in Davos and Epstein Island and all that stuff, um, 
I bet you Putin is in on this. This is the this is the smoke and mirrors over distract them. Shiny object over here. Da 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 da. So that they can hammer down on Canada, which they are. They are hammering hard on Canada right now. Uh, that cop that they put in charge of Ottawa literally just said, was it today or yesterday, that even if you quit and left, we are going to follow you. We are going to find you. doesn't matter. This is going to take months. We will track you all down. We'll take your money. We'll take your trucks. We'll take your kids. We'll take your dogs. That's what they're going to do to anybody that was ID'd at the truck rally. That is hardcore stuff that they need to distract from. My, my gut is at the end of the day, at the end of the day, when it comes time to start shooting missiles back and forth at each other, there's going to be this amazing Joe Biden moment or Putin moment, whatever. But it's all planned because it's to keep us from looking at Canada. So when, when we see Canada finally run its course and calm down, you watch. The Ukraine thing will defuse itself. Uh, well, the scenario you just described uh, that's the follow-up to what happened over the weekend with the police crackdown is exactly what happened in the United States with the J6 people. Mm -hmm. The FBI and federal law enforcement did the exact same thing. They hunted them all over the country and are still hunting anybody who was just there. So it's a very similar situation. I'm going to move on just a little bit here because Kamala Harris is actually in Europe. And as kind of alluding to what Vince said, Chase, when Kamala was sent over there, I thought, oh, well, they're sending her over there to get the win because she needs a win because her effect on the on the Biden presidency is probably more damaging than Biden's himself. She is dragging down this ticket. However, with statements like this, I'm not sure she's capable of a win, particularly at this level. She was asked about how do we untangle from this? I would characterize it differently. Um, I don't, we don't consider ourselves to be entangled, um, but we're very clear of our principles and our purpose, which is to be aligned with our allies, understanding that, I mean, listen, guys, we're talking about the potential for war in Europe. I mean, let's really take a moment to understand the significance of what we're talking about. Uh, listen, guys. I mean, listen, guys. We're talking about the potential of war in Europe. As she speaks through a freaking mask, she can't even take the mask off, Chase, to talk about potential war in Europe. I mean, the whole thing is just is comical. It seemed like she was realizing it for the first time in that moment. It I, honestly, I think that we'd be better off if we would have sent her over to Beijing with John Candy to to compete. John in the Candy Jamaican bobsled team. Yeah, Jamaican <laughs> bobsled team, full <Cool> running. Right. Then we could at least then that, that would have been a real win, right? Yeah. So, I, yeah, I. I, I that's it's a funny thing about vice presidents, right? It's like they don't really have a role. And so they get like assigned to these committees and they get these like kind of faux responsibilities so that they have some sort of like, uh, I don't know, accomplishment. You know, I think that Mike Pence is maybe the exception. I think the Operation War Speed, despite whatever you think about the vaccines, was actually a real responsibility. Right. And so that was something that he uh, uh, helped make happen. But for the most part, these the things that you send the vice president to do are like whatever, nothing burger type things. So if we're about ready to have war in Europe. What the hell is the vice president doing there? <laughs> what, that's what you, you send a, a real ambassador, or you send the president, or the president goes right. You don't send just your rando VP over there. I, I, it's just totally inappropriate, in my opinion. Uh, here's another quote and a clip from her comments after meeting with other NATO allies. We are talking about the real possibility of war in Europe. So our position 
is for us very clear, which is as a leader, which we have been bringing together the allies, working together around our collective and unified position, that we would all not just prefer, we desire, we believe it is in the best interest of all that there is a diplomatic end to this moment. Two things about this clip stand out to me, Chase. One is it sounds an awful lot like her. Who was she being interviewed by where she said, what we're doing is what we do every day and we're doing it now on this day too. We're doing it and you can watch us do it as we do it. Whatever that the hell that clip was. Her, that answer sounded a lot like that. And maybe someone else saw Joe Biden speak to get today. I didn't see him speak today. Did he say a word today? Why the hell isn't Joe Biden, no. as Chase pointed out, saying so. these things, Vince? Well, saying these, I'm not sure exactly what. I, I've never heard somebody take some, so many words to say nothing, first <laughs> yeah. of all. Yeah. Um, but I actually I actually believe, and kind of contrary to, the, to what we were just discussing, that they actually put her in these situations because they know their failures. They sent her to the border. They knew it was a disaster. Now they're sending her to, to to Europe to be the front and the face on the on the, the Russian Ukraine situation. I actually think they're doing this. I, I don't think anyone in the the Democratic Party, uh, especially within the mainstream Democratic Party, want her to become president. And they have got to make sure. I, I don't think they want her on the ticket right in, in two more years. I think I think this is all a, a part of a bigger plan to to keep her from being able to run and just tag her with. And again, it, it, as long as her numbers taking the shots, I think somewhere there's also a discussion that hey, that's how we keep Biden looking like he knows what he's doing, like he's the he's the better leader here. You can't let him get overshadowed. But I, I just can't figure out why they stick her out there, other than because they want they want her to 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 ha you know be be tagged with the anchors here. Let me ask you this before I move on. Could it very well be that because Biden is completely incapable of doing it, physically incapable of doing it? We've heard we've heard Biden speak on a number of issues, right? I don't think something this sensitive is somewhere that you can have Joe Biden out there just riffing off the top of his head and and just you know try. I, can you imagine if he stumbles over the wrong words? But there's also been a lot of reports. You know, he had a hit a long phone call with Putin, or he's he's reached out to to President Putin, or he's nobody hears what those conversations right. are. Right, he's not out. You're right. You're absolutely right. We haven't seen him public on this, uh, and if we do, I guarantee if he has to speak on this, uh, it's going to be a very controlled, probably uh, oval uh, oval office message where there's a teleprompter, and he's going to stick right to the to the to the talkers. Right, I, I can't I can't imagine trying to put him out there to just wing it. Brit, situation. Brit, here's another uh, cut from this. these comments from Kamala. It's the last one I have. Uh, but I want to reference what you had said previously about this being a moment to distract from the greater agendas, the greater uh, effort here. Uh, but before we, I'll ask the question after the clip. Um, we are aware that, again, when America stands for her principles and all of the things that we hold dear, um, it requires sometimes for, for us to put ourselves out there in a way that maybe we will incur some cost. And in this situation, um, that may relate to energy costs, for example. But we are taking very specific and appropriate, I believe, steps to mitigate what that cost might be if it happens. Okay, so uh, I want to know, It's this is a chicken and egg moment here. Uh, you know, you... you 
gave us the the possibility. You talked about the possibility that this was a, a, a distraction from what's happening in Canada. Could it also be a distraction from these rising gas prices in the sense that they need something to blame? I mean, I truly believe that they put sanctions on Russia. We are going to see uh, an increase in energy costs. However, just backing away from that for a second, is it is this is, is which came first, the rising rising energy costs? Now they need to blame Russia, or vice versa? Uh, well, number one, the mask she's wearing, that leather face mask, is putting me into imagery <laughs> that is on a completely different website that has a bunch of X's at the end of it. Oh boy. Kind of reminds me of a gimp in Pulp Fiction when he came out of the box with the. Anyway, um, I'm, I'm sorry. Look at when it comes back up. Look at that. And then she got the black pearl necklace on. That you know, um, it's very uh, S&M in my book. Um, <laughs> what was your question again, JV? Sorry, I was completely distracted. Uh, you know, <laughs> an argument could be made that this is maybe not co maybe cover for Canada, but also maybe cover for these oh, yes. these escalating energy prices. Yes. It, this could be cover for a lot of things that are going on. I mean, again, their 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 policies are from the '80s because they're so old. Um, and what did we do in the '80s when you had bad poll numbers? You wag the dog and start a war somewhere. So, or you wag the dog and get in somebody's shit, or you wag the dog and create something else somewhere else that's not as bad as what you're trying to hide. So, this is a in my mind. I think this is. I think they have three dogs going at once right now. So they got, isn't they there got a band? Isn't dogs. there a band? Like three, three dog, three dog night. Isn't is that what you're talking about? This is a concert. Maybe. <laughs> I think it might be a concert. But the, instead of wagging a big dog, they're wagging three chihuahuas at once. So to you know, just to cover up all the stuff that they got going back. Because they have like a lot of stuff going back, other than just. It's a what? It sounds like a Fauci experiment. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Does. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Hence yeah. the mask. Uh, go ahead and take it. Oh, shit. Um, all right. Well, you know what? Uh, wow, I didn't expect you to give me a heads up, so I'm not prepared, but I'm prepared enough. All right, so we're going to do something. I, I want to talk about some good news. I mean, or just something a little, um, something not so fucking depressing. Um, so uh, True Social dropped yesterday, uh, Trump's new adventure for social media, the new Facebook, Twitter, whatever the hell it is. Uh, I happen to be number 108,000 and change. Uh, I don't know what you guys hmm. are. But it is the number one app in the App Store, uh, as expected. Uh, it's, it was so popular, it crashed the system for a while. Then they, I guess they, uh, they uh, 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 regrouped overnight. And, and now I sit, I sit and wait. So, Chase, I'll start with you since I know that we were talking about the numbers. What number are you and how long do you think until you get to actually use True Social? Well, let me see. Right now, I'll look on my phone. I am number 92,858. So I don't know how long it's going to be. Um, could be a day, could be weeks. There's only time will tell. But obviously, they really, really, really wanted to do the launch on President's Day to try to make some sort of statement. But it probably would have been a good idea if they would have pushed it and made sure it was right. But we'll see. Yeah, I don't I'm understand. To try it out. Yeah. Yeah, I can't wait. Some of the screen grabs I've seen, because they do have beta going right now, Vince. They do have beta going. And the people that are using, like Bongino's yeah. one of them, he talked a lot about it. <laughs> And they're saying it, it's smooth. It works great. Now, granted, there's only like five. Oh, my camera. Shit, my camera. But how long were you looking for that note, JV? Uh, 30 <laughs> um, seconds. But All right. But, uh, but Vince, they're, they're saying it's, it looks great. It works great. It, it's actually really nice. So this might be something good. Yeah. I, I actually, I know somebody that's, uh, that's on, the, uh, on the beta 
uh, site and is, has been using it and uh, sent it some screenshots. It looks like a cross between Facebook and Twitter. And uh, that's exactly what I'm hearing. I'm hearing it, it runs pretty smooth. Uh, you know, everything everything seems to be working out with it. I, I, I did hear that similar to what you were saying, that apparently the, 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 it crashed at one point. Or I don't know if it crashed, but it definitely had a little uh, a little slow up from the number of users trying to get on at one point. But you know, bugs are bugs. But I think I think people are, uh, especially on the right side of the aisle, are going to be uh, excited for a place where they can express their views and at least not uh, be shut down. Hey, you know what I'm going to love about this is that Trump is going to be there doing his thing, and the media is going to have to sign on. JV, they are not going to be able to hide out over in Twitter land or Facebook land where they're protected. Trump's going to be on True Social. All of us are going to be on True Social. That's where the happening is going to be. It's going to become fun. And again, I, this to me is just a sign of a hit. Another thing that Trump has done that that is doing great. People want to be there. People want to be around him. Uh, yeah. First of all, I'm 101-453, 101,453. Last night, right after I got through, signed up, got the confirmation email, I was under 10,000. I don't know how I, I got pushed back. I must be more important people like Chase got in there. Um, but the bottom line, <laughs> the bottom line here is that this is not going to be a safe platform because the app stores are going to nuke it once it becomes edgy. That's what's going to happen. And so it'll be available through web browser and those kind of things. But apps don't survive that way. Uh, so I don't know what the future is. I don't know how this is going to play out. But it is once again going to highlight the monopoly that Apple has on its app store and, and, and apps you can get onto your phone and uh, that, the, uh, that Google has on the Android store. That's really going to be the story that comes out of this because there's no way I would bet a lot of money on this that they're going to allow Trump to have free reign and say whatever he wants in the lead up. Maybe they don't get it done by 2022, but certainly by 2024. They're not going to allow this. They took Parler down for much less. Yeah, but Parler was nukable because it was on platforms they controlled. I think this is all completely under their Brit, domain. Except it's the, the App, app Store. store part. It's the App Store. That's the most important part of the equation. If you can't get it through the App Store, you're just not going to get the participation in it that, that makes it a, a a viable social media platform, ultimately. Well, because we – and maybe, Chase, you know this answer. Maybe someone knows this answer. I don't. I know on Android, you can get what they call sideload apps, which is not on the official Android app stores, but you, you load them from a website. Can you do that on iOS? Can Apple, can you do a sideload or a cracked app? So, yeah, you can you can do it, but you have to jailbreak your phone and then you lose all the warranties. And frankly, even if you could do it, nobody is going to do it. When you think about these these platforms, the most important thing, there's two things that are really important. The first thing that's really important is reaching critical mass of new users. So a bunch of new users have to join within a short period of time. The second most important thing, and this is, the, this is where Gab failed, was having incentive for users to come back and keep using the app, right? And so if you can't do one of those two things, then the whole thing is going to fall flat. So in the instance of you being banned from the app store to where it's, uh, 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 um, uh, I don't know, an obstacle for people to figure out how to even use the app outside of a browser, that's going to kill your critical mass because even if 10% of the people could figure out how to do it, you've lost 90% of your market potential because you, uh, you've made it too cumbersome. All right. So it's all about the app store. So um if they get jacked from the app, we're done. All right, moving on to my next subject, which is another Trump story, which I thought was pretty cool. Trump donations. Uh, Vince, I'll start with you on this one. Uh, former President Donald Trump standing as the most prolific, 
prolific, where's my light at? Give me some light. Prolific fundraiser in the Republican Party remains firmly intact. The former president's fundraising committees raked in $7.2 million in January, according to figures shared to Fox Business. Uh, and Trump's Save America PAC, Save America JFC, which is Joint Fundraising Committee uh, PAC, and Mega PAC reported uh, endings in January with a massive $123.8 million of cash on hand. So Trump can raise some money. And anything affiliated with Trump can raise some money. That's a good sign for him, right? That 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 many days away from being in office, and so many years before the next race, he's raising crazy money. The the one thing that he has done since he left office is keep himself in a position to be the voice uh, and be the face of the Republican Party. Um, so he when he left, and 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 also how he left, you know, with a lot of people upset that he was leaving, he he did a great job of being able to keep that intact, and of course being able to be that prolific fundraiser, um, you know, for this time since he's been out of office. Uh, I think it puts the Republican Party in. You know, it, listen. It puts him in a in a in a in an interesting position, but also puts him in a strong position for the midterms uh, because now, you know, obviously Trump can use those funds to uh, listen. If you if you flip if you flip the House, if you flip the Senate in the midterms, that becomes a little bit of a uh, a referendum on you know on his presidency, right? And kind of like a little a little payback as well. So I think uh, you know clearly. This is a guy that entire life, you know, he's he's shown to be successful in business and successful on TV and, you know, again and again. So the fact that he's doing this doesn't necessarily shock me, but it certainly is telling in terms of where the party is right now. Uh, and, and we're seeing that with some of the positions and policies. I mean, you know, the, the party stance on, on uh, Liz Cheney out in Wyoming and, and what's happening there. I mean, I don't think you'd see those things if, if you didn't have. Trump still the the central figure uh, as he as he's remaining. Yeah, I think you're I think you're right on that. With especially with the Liz Cheney thing, uh, she would have just kept on skating if it wasn't for him and his team, mm -hmm. his people that support him, pressuring. Sure. So so Chase. So um, further down this article, it says in another sign of Trump's grassroots fundraising prowess, 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 prowess. Um, his committee average donation in January was $32. Trump's team also reported in a total of 228,090 contributions last month, the January month, 98.5% of those donations were under $200. So his money is coming from grassroots blue collar America. And that scares the shit out of the establishment. That's why they're afraid of him. Yep. And, you know, I think that we've seen with this whole trucking convoy, not to change the subject by any means, that the left is actually no friend of the working class. They seem to be very antag antagonistic toward the working class. And I think that that coupled with the, the, this donor behavior shows which side is actually for the working class. So, JV, so and then in the next paragraph, which was interesting, says Trump hauled in 51 million during the second half of last year and finished 2021 with 122 million in his coffers. The fact that Trump's cash on hand jumped less than 2 million while raising 7 million last month is a sign that the former president's committees are starting to spend money uh, that they're raising. So is this, is this Trump now starting to find candidates he wants to support and starting to fill their coffers and help them out? And, or is it more the rallies that he's doing or is there something I'm missing? 
I, I don't know. Maybe Vince has more insight money. as to how the money is being spent. And uh, I think, is that public record, Vince? You just give me a nod, yes or no, on that. Well, it, it's going to have to be at some point public record. Uh, the, the expenditures probably aren't until the, the filing deadlines, uh, you know, each quarter. But yeah, that's certainly, I, I don't necessarily see Trump setting currently setting himself up to be that candidate. He's not fundraising for himself right now. Um, sure, could he be fundraising to put himself in position to be the candidate in 24? Maybe. I actually think he's just positioning himself to, to be the leader, uh, like, I, like I had mentioned previously. That's where I think he is. And certainly this money is going to start going into a number of candidates around the country. I, like I said, he's gonna, he is going to spend a decent amount of money to try to affect these midterms because it becomes a, a referendum on, on his post-presidency. Uh, Britt and I are headed to CPAC, which we'll talk a little bit more about later in the program. But I thought this was interesting, and it kind of relates to the Trump phenomenon within the Republican Party. You've got a bunch of GOPers uh, who are critics of Trump that will be gathering in D.C. to offer a CPAC counter-programming event. <laughs> Good luck. Now, the names on this list are quite, uh, um, I guess what we would say, expected. You've got Liz Cheney. You've got Adam Kinzinger. They're both going to be there. You've got Georgia Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger. You've got uh, Georgia Lieutenant Governor Jeff Duncan. Um, you've got Capitol Police Officer Harry Dunn. I don't know what his political leanings are, but uh, they certainly want to get some J6 uh, discussion into that meeting as well. Um, so these people are scared. I, I honestly, I think they're completely irrelevant because what they don't get is that, and I, I'm, I'm going to speak for myself. I'm not going to speak for every everyone else who either voted for or will vote for Donald Trump if he runs again. I'm going to speak for myself. The reason I support Donald Trump is because he has made it very clear that he will put America first. He did it in his first term. He will do it again. He's not afraid to say it. He's not uh, He's not um, weak-minded about it. He recognized how uh, exceptional this nation is, and he's willing to say that and put the this country and the people of this country ahead of all other interests. That's the genius of Donald Trump. And if anybody else starts doing that, they too will get the same kind of support from the people that support Donald Trump. And that's what these idiots don't get. It's their establishment connections, their uniparty approach, and their self-preservation above all else that makes us disgusted with them. And the more they continue to do that, the more Liz Cheney does that, the more Adam Kinzinger does that, the more we are just going to vomit at the, at the thought of their names because that's where we're approached or headed. I, you know, it's pretty simple. And the fact they don't get it just illustrates how ignorant they are and how out of touch they are. Yeah, in the bubble, in the bubble. So if you're going to donate, do not donate to the RNC. Donate directly to candidates. Cut the RNC out. It is filled with, uh, there's a bunch of rhinos in there. That's my personal opinion. All right, so moving on, I'm going to shift gears a little bit. I'm going to go to this uh, Department of Education loan forgiveness article. Uh, I'll start with you, Chase. I'll start with you. Uh, the Department of Education announced this week it will cancel $415 million in federal student loans uh, by nearly 16,000 borrowers allegedly misled by for-profit colleges. The borrowers attended DeVry, DeVry University, uh, ITT Technical Institute, Westwood College, and Minnesota School of Business Global University. So what they're saying, Chase, is that um, my question is this. Because they can't get uh, college forgiveness 
through. They're going to go around it by this weird law that allows the federal government to forgive loans if you can prove that you were defrauded by the college's selling department to get you to sign up for it. Is that their angle now because they can't get college defunding through Congress? It seems like it. You know, I know that there are companies that specialize in that specifically. I think there were actually issues with that with Trump University where a lot of people were able to get their money back or their, their, their debt forgiven with that. And so I think that's, that's an avenue, but you're going to have a really hard time accomplishing that with like an, an accredited institution. So any sort of reputable institution that isn't very new, that's sort of established in the community, I don't think that they're going to be able to swing that on a sort of massive scale, uh, certainly not with like state schools or anything like that. But if it's any sort of uh, alternative school or new college, then maybe you could swing that. But that's, that's tricky. So, uh, you know, I don't think that this is, this is a feasible loophole on a macro scale, but it's certainly something that um, uh, people are going to uh, pursue if, if, if it's possible at all. Right. So, so Vince, so the article goes to explain what the criteria is. And this applying yeah. to what Chase just said, this theory they can use at all the colleges if they really wanted to. So it says the department remains committed to giving borrowers dis borrowers discharges when the evidence shows their college violated the law and standards education secretary uh, the secretary said and it says the department found that between 2008 and 2015 divide university a for-profit university headquartered in illinois repeatedly misled students by claiming that 90 percent of the graduates actively seeking employment land a job in the first six months after graduation the actual number was 58%. That's their reason to give them to forgive their loan. That's what they're using. So could that not be applied to all these other universities that are, and I don't understand, aren't all universities for profit? No. I mean, aren't they all, are they, are they not? No, 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 not all necessarily. Right. A lot of them okay, are not. That I didn't know, but educational nonprofit but anyway, universities. But that that's a pretty vague thing to hit. I mean, that could be applied everywhere well, no, across the board, no? No, no, they're making it vague because if you really look into it, what they're doing is they're nailing these for-profit colleges, which are probably non-unionized colleges, and those are the ones they're going to hit because yeah. they can't go after the universities because of all the union support that the Democrats get from from these uh, from the the professors and the uh, and the the employees unions that are attached to these colleges. And don't forget, this is the the thing that always drives me a little batty about the entire situation is that you know it was the Democrats that protected the banks that f allowing them to to give out these loans which by the way it was also the democrats that supported the fact that you can't you can't you can't uh, you don't get protection from your student loans when in in bankruptcy so you've got the democrats protecting right. the banks and now they're going to have to protect the universities and they're going to have to try to get this because everybody's screaming that you you've basically got a broken system where it's costing you way more money to get an education, then the return's going to be on the type of career you can get from the education. The system's broken. They're, they've created almost a too big to fail kind of mentality. And, and listen, if you want to forgive yeah. all the student debt that's out there, go ahead and forgive it. That's fine. But you haven't you haven't addressed the, the crux of the problem is that the the astronomical increase in the price of an education, whether it be at a for-profit or non-profit uh, state or private private institution. And that's where you have to, you've got to start with, it, with, with where it is. And I guarantee the reason that we can't even had that conversation is what's the number one escalating cost at these colleges and universities it's going to be it's going to be the unionized scale that they have to pay all of their workers and professors 
So, JV, so it's uh, at the end of the article, last paragraph, it says, in total, the Biden administration has approved about $2 billion in loan forgiveness for more than 100,000 students allegedly defrauded by their schools. My question is this, JV, they're, they're admitting verbally that they've allocated $2 billion to it, but we all know they use that fuzzy math and they don't really, you know, uh, account for anything quite well. So is this, the, again, how do we know that this doesn't spiral into a trillion dollar uh, giveaway? to people who they want to buy their votes from. Yeah, we don't know that. And in fact, the administration is facing a deadline here where the student loan repayments have to start again. And the squad is going to get all fired up about this. So this may be an effort to kind of quell that for the time being. But here's my question. If these uh, ed educational facilities or, or organizations, whatever they are, defrauded somebody into taking out a loan to attend their university uh, then why aren't we going after those universities? Is that part of this? Are we going to get that money from them and then repay the student loans that way instead of forgiving it? Because if we're not doing that, then yes, this is a giant scam that's just kind of getting the camel's nose under the tent and it's going to turn into something very different. I got uh, so a uh, Breitbart article. Uh, Chase, we'll go to you. Bidenflation runs okay. hot. Uh, actually, uh, oh, fuck, I'll just read it. Uh, Biden inflation runs hot, sending rents soaring across the country. First gas, then heating, and now rent. Runaway inflation is driving rents skyward across Joe Biden's America, delivering an average of a 20% increase across U.S. cities. 50, uh, actually, U.S.'s 50 biggest cities. Rent has gone up 20% in one year. So, again, everything he, this guy touches is blowing up in his face, hence the distraction over in Ukraine, right? Yep. Well, and that's what's going to happen, right? If you have inflation, property values go up. And if property values go up, property taxes go up. And if property taxes go up, rent goes up. And ultimately, all the costs fall on the poorest among us. So everything that the left does in the name of helping the poor only serves to impoverish them. Interesting here, Vince, is that uh, the rent spike has stung wallets nowhere more than in Miami, metro area, where rent has gone up 49.8%. The average, the average rental in, in Miami-Dade is $2,850, $2,850 for your average rental. That is insane. How do people afford this? Oh, also, meanwhile, Boston has nearly overtaken San Francisco as the nation's most expensive, expensive rental market. Why is Boston taking over for San Francisco? Doesn't Boston have crappy weather? It does. Anyway, it's kind of a, At least it's it's kind of a generic. <laughs> How do people handle this? you throw that to me. I'm not sure. I feel obligated to answer, though. To you, Vince. <laughs> yeah, no, I answer is to you, Vince. Oh, it is? Okay. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah. I don't know. I, I, I guess I, I don't know. I, I'm not sure. I'd, I like, I mean, I like San Francisco. I can't see myself living there, but uh, I mean, maybe wine country, but that's not San Francisco. Uh, my point, no. but here's, here's something that I think we have to make sure we don't forget. And, and I think the left is going to want us to forget a lot of the stuff that they put in place over the last year and a half, two years, while we we're under their COVID restrictions. Remember, there were a lot of landlords out there who weren't allowed, and and were were and it wasn't even changes the law, but by by executive orders across this country, weren't allowed to collect rents, and they weren't allowed, and they're not allowed now to go back and get back rent from a lot of their a lot of the people that they're renting to. So the fact that you're seeing an astro astronomical increase in rent is somewhere in the chain, right? These these landlords are going to have to try to make up for all of the money they lost during during the COVID uh, shutdowns. Yeah, exactly. So JV, so 
generally, supply and demand is what causes prices to go up or drop, right? Supply and demand. Typical stuff we learn in the third grade, right? Or maybe sixth grade for some of us. Um, so this article says, at the same time, U.S. Census Bureau statistics show, at the same time, U.S. Census Bureau rental vacancies, rental vacancies fell to 5.6, which is the lowest. All right, so that makes sense. So does that mean we're letting in too many illegals that we don't have any room for citizens to rent? Uh, it could. I mean, someone's filling up those apartments. I don't know who it is. We didn't have a major population boom all of a sudden. There wasn't necessarily a COVID baby boom that's, you know, that all those people have grown up and need apartments all of a sudden. So that's not what it is. So I'm not sure what it is from a supply or from a demand standpoint. It could be some a lot of these illegals. I don't know. I just have to address something. Uh, Providence, you're talking about how the color in my face changes. Looks like I'm blushing, then not. As we determined before, as the color behind me changes changes the camera tries to correct for that and it changes the complexion of my skin which is kind of neat actually oh, I, thought I, I thought i was just embarrassing you well that too sometimes that's what actually what's it cost here's here's the bottom line as a landlord a small-time landlord myself i know there are realities in this in this formula the realities of energy costs going up are, are huge the, uh, you know in my apartment which i have to i pay heat for my tenants my energy costs have doubled to heat the apartment in upstate New York where it's damn cold most of the time in the winter. And I have, as Vince pointed out, two tenants that haven't paid me rent in years because of this COVID crap. They're still working. They're still making an income, but they don't have to because the courts won't evict them. I'm in the process of going through those evictions right now. In fact, I had to first send them a notification. Actually, not send them. I had to serve them. So I have to pay a process server to go hand them. And, and they know this is coming, so they don't answer the door. It becomes a multi-day process. They have to catch them coming out of the apartment you know, when they're not ready for it. And, hey, you've been served kind of thing. So I have to go through that. After that, they get 14 days to reply. They don't reply. Then I have to serve them again with an eviction notification. They get 30 days to challenge it. One, if they decide to challenge it, which they will, then I have to go to court. And then the court process takes another 30 days or so to get your hearing in court. And then after that, then if the judge says, yes, you have to be out, he gives them another 30 to 45 days, sometimes 60 days to get out of the apartment. So six months have gone by. Uh, from when the process starts to when I actually can get them out of there, then I have to go and fix what they do and, and, and then try to rent the apartment again. So my energy costs out of control. We've got that stuff going on. And then you have cities like New York who have just enacted uh, legislation that say, oh, by the way, you can no longer heat your new buildings with natural gas. You've got to use a non-fossil fuel in that 10-story high-rise apartment building that you're creating. Well, what the hell is that going to do to the cost of that apartment? It's not going to make it any cheaper, I promise you. Then you've got insurance rates going skyrocketing everywhere because of crime. That affects everybody's rates, by the way. When an insurance company has to pay out crime claims, they have to increase the rates on everything and everybody to make up those losses. That's what happens. So... You know, this is a recipe that is creating these increases in rents. And as I think it was Vince that said, maybe it was Chase, but you both are right. It affects the people that can afford it the least. And you get priced out of markets. And then what? Then you got to drive a car to, to your uh, 20 miles away to your to work and gas prices are double what they were two years ago. <laughs> and the whole thing is destroying particularly the lower class of uh, classes economically here. Oh, fucking JR just told Vince to pay his rent to you, JV. <laughs>
Yeah, Vince, we need to talk. We need to talk. <laughs> yeah, it's insane. It's it's crazy. All right, you want me to go? Is that what you're saying? Thank you, JB. All right, yeah, man. Yeah. yeah. First of all, I got to know, Vince, you or not Vince, Chase, you're really, really serious tonight. What's happening? Well, I'm feeling feeling very, very stoic. I will say I'm, my phone is blowing up on the right from an angry client. It's distracting me. Jeez. Sorry about that. And they keep calling me and I keep hanging up with my mouse and they keep saying, you're not on the phone. because, And I'm like, oh, oh, I don't want to send a link to this podcast. <laughs> then it's going to be even worse. <laughs> Yikes. Don't stream to the podcast. I want to watch. Wow. Yeah, I want to watch. I want to watch. I'm sorry to be, I'm sorry to be rude. But no, it's okay. Like fire, so. No, I got you. We got you. Uh, we got you. Um, no we'll problem. We'll get you out of here. Yeah. Okay. So, so, I, here, I, so when everything gets really worked up in the political sphere and there's geopolitical stuff going on going on everywhere and nobody mentions John Kerry for a while what happens John Kerry gets very very jealous and he comes out and says it's time for another climate summit this is urgent call climate activist John Kerry warned on Monday that's today that geopolitical tensions including floods famine pestilence war and rumors of war must all be set to one side as the time has come for another urgent climate conference to seal the fate of the world vince are you now ready to go and support a new climate conference so that we can seal the fate of the world well of, of course we need another one uh, <laughs> <laughs> um these guys, these guys are amazing. I mean, how how the hell is John Kerry still relevant in any discussion politically at all? That that is enough to 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 tell you what's really going on here. Um, yeah, uh, you know, I, once again, I mean, I mean, is this really the is this is this just another distraction that we're looking for? Is this? Let's. I mean, that's is John Kerry looking to take credit for you know we're gonna we're gonna call Putin off because he's gonna cancel his plans because we have to do a climate summit. <laughs> That's the number one most important thing in the world, and and I, I but but there are times, and the, the real scary thing here, because we do we laugh at these guys because it is laughable. But I think the scariest thing is people like John Kerry taking themselves seriously. That is what's actually I think the scariest piece of this whole thing. I got, and I think Vince is right, Chase. John Kerry's taking himself seriously, but I think it's the fact that most other people aren't, particularly right now with all these other serious issues that Americans are facing. And John Kerry's saying, look at me, I'm still here, please. Yeah, nobody's taken John Kerry seriously since he dressed like Aladdin. Remember that when he was the Secretary of State? It's like Aladdin after he found the genie and like the whole Prince transformation was way overdone, you know? Yeah. yeah. How do you remember that? What? What's That's his right. official position now, John Kerry? Does he have one? He's climate czar. Climate czar. Oh, that's right. They even named him a czar. They say they say they're anti-Russia, and they named the guy the czar. It's crazy. <laughs> I know this whole czar thing is insane. It's like he's climate Fuhrer. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez, oh, can you imagine? Yeah. Oh yeah, I'm the climate Fuhrer. <laughs> Fear. Oh, boy. Uh, hail. I mean, no, I mean, there's not any hail this time of year. Yeah. <laughs> it's hail, not hail. Um, oh, 
<laughs> uh, Brett, I'm going to change the subject, but talk about either of these things. So Remington, uh, it's been reported, has settled with the Sandy Hook families, which sued Remington for its responsibility in the shootings there that killed many. Uh, they settled for $73 million. This is, an uh, uh, I think, a bit of a dangerous precedent because um, basically what they're saying is, despite the fact Remington didn't pull any triggers, Remington didn't fire any guns in Sandy Hook, but the people that had Remington products killed people. So therefore, Remington is now responsible. Uh, this is a this will have a chilling effect on the Second Amendment. Uh, yeah, and, and this is even more. Remington doesn't exist anymore. Remington's out of out of business. Check your phone, JV. Um, and they they are. Um, so who decided to pay the family was the insurance companies. The insurance company paid all that money out. This is so dangerous on the on the level for the. Our government has figured out a way to do an end run around Congress to squash 2A. If these firearms companies cannot get insurance, they can't run a business. They can't run their business. And if the insurance companies, because of this precedent that was just set, they settled for $73 million, what's the next insurance company do? They go to court. Lawyers can say, hey, here's a precedent. This company did this. Why can't this company do that? This is dangerous on a level that I don't think people really understand yet, but it's going to be a cascading effect. All I can tell people to do right now buy guns buy ammo because our government is going to go the route of canada they are going to try to go the route of canada and as soon as we're disarmed we will look like canada so we can't let that happen the only reason the only reason claus schwab and their little gang isn't doing to us what they're making trudeau do to their people is because of our second amendment and we have weapons and we will use them to defend ourselves so my guns, by ammo. This is bad all the way around. Uh, Chase, here's a quote from the Biden administration about this. Well, it's not a quote. It's just that Biden praised the settlement with Remington. And here's the quote. While this settlement, set a, settlement does not erase the pain of that tragic day, it does begin the necessary work of holding gun manufacturers accountable for manufacturing weapons of war and irresponsibly marketing these firearms. Hell of a thing to say for somebody who murdered nine civilians in Afghanistan in an accidental drone strike. Right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, can they sue the drone manufacturer I mean, that, on them I, for that? I wonder. Yeah, yeah. You should, they should, yeah, the Afghanis should be able to sue Biden for war damages, war crimes. So, yeah, I don't know. I just I, this this whole thing is just it's such a facade. Not to mention the fact that Hunter Biden, by the way, was busted with an illegal firearm. Not a lot of people know this. And the FBI yep. went to the store where he bought the gun and tried to pressure the store owner or the employees there into uh, destroying the documentation, proving that Hunter Biden lied on his gun application in order to get the firearm. So Joe Biden is not exactly a hero of peace or a hero of gun safety when his crackhead son is rolling around with an illegal firearm causing all sorts of dis domestic disturbances. And then dad sends in the FBI, F excuse me, FBI to or Secret Service or whatever it was to cover for him. This guy is so full of shit. It's like almost like he's got Alzheimer's or something. <laughs> Vince, Vince, Remington is a local... Uh Local to us, uh, it's employed a lot of people. It's got a real tradition here in upstate New York. Uh, I think they announced not long ago that they were going to move out of New York State because of the business climate being uh, created by the Democrats in this state. Uh, but what are your thoughts on this whole thing? Well, I, I, I actually grew up the town 
over from the uh, the the Ilian plant in uh, you know the Remington plant there. And uh, I, I remember when I was a kid, you 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 would. Uh, you would plan your 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 like trips to the store around what time the shifts changed because they needed two police officers to direct traffic outside the plant to keep things moving. That's how bustling it was, and and now you, you there's 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 nothing like that uh, there at all. You know, there's still the there's it's still a working operation, but as Britt alluded to, I mean the company's been pretty much broken up and sold off, and and uh, and and it's it's changed quite a bit. Um, you know, I, I've always said, I mean, you know, Remington built guns in an area like like uh, you alluded to uh, of upstate New York where where people have guns all the time. I mean, when I went to high school, you know, uh, first day of hunting, you you had you had kids who had the guns in the racks and the pickup trucks out in the parking lot. There were there were no there was no school violence. You know, it certainly wasn't what it is today. Uh, and it certainly wasn't the, the gun to blame. Uh, for you know, for 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 any of the the tragedies, and that's where you know, and you guys have kind of alluded to this is 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 that you know you're putting this you're putting blame on it on an inanimate object as opposed to actually looking at the the crux of the real problem that needs to be addressed, and we're just not doing that. We haven't been doing that, and it's much easier for people to turn a blind eye and and blame the gun and blame the the gun manufacturers now. And and the the thing that scares me here, the precedent being set, is they've settled for $73 million. So at what point did the insurance company come to the conclusion that a $73 million payout is better than anything else they could have gotten if they went to court or if they actually had a, you know, a jury of peers or, you know, and, and I get what they're doing, but to, to, to make the, the manufacturer, the criminal here is, is, is just, is just wrong. Yeah, Britt, infam infamously, everything has to have a safety label on it. Ladders say, don't step above this step. And if you fall, it's not our fault because you're an idiot. <laughs> yeah. You know, so now we're going to start suing uh, ladder companies, umbrella companies, you know, that don't protect you from the rain. I mean, where does this end? And obviously, I think the most consequential part of this is the Second Amendment in implications, because what this does, it's an end run. It's an end run around it, uh, trying to accomplish the same thing. Uh, but at the same time, it actually has implications for all consumer products. All consumer products. Also, I want to thank uh, Tiny Ninja mm -hmm. and Foxhole for the contribution. Thank you so much. You have no idea how much that helps us keep this show going. Thank you. Um, yeah, I mean, cars. I mean, God, there's so many things. Escalators, uh, self-opening and closing doors. I mean, anything that can hurt mm -hmm. you. But you know, but, but here's the deal. None of those keep the elites from being able to oppress us. So they're safe. Anything that can be used to oppress, that can be used to protect us from being oppressed by them will be a target. Anything that goes against the uniparty elites will be a target. That's what this is. And all this stuff is little test runs, little things, and it, it worked. And you watch, here it comes. I mean, here in California, uh, Dipshit Newsom is signing into law, passed our 100% our Democrat-controlled uh, House and Senate, uh, and Nat Newsom's gonna sign it, that, uh, Citizens will be able to sue gun makers directly for uh, crimes or harms that are done. So it's almost, uh, they're going to get a shit ton of nuisance laws here in California. And, you know, all the other blue states are going to look at this and try and do this. So, you know what we're going to boil down? This is what it's going to boil down to. The divide is going to keep on dividing. And we're going to have some states, blue states, that have no firearms in them at all. Because everybody's going to leave. Everybody's going to move. The manufacturer will be out. And we're going to have red states that are armed to the teeth. 
And then when the blue states step out of line and we have to actually deal with them because they will not stop poking us, you know, it's like that, it's like that brother and sister thing, or it's a, it's a sibling thing. The bigger brother, the big, they keep poking, keep poking, keep poking, keep poking, keep poking. And finally, the littler guy that just wants to be left alone loses his shit, goes into the Hulk rage, and destroys him. And then he's on the ground going, whoa, whoa what did I do? That's what's going to happen. Eventually, the red states are going to blow up. The red people are going to blow up. And the blue people are going to be like, well, what did we do? These, but by then, it'll be done, and we're just going to have to we're gonna have to get rid of all of them. Chase, my question uh, to you is really, really simple. What happened to Brit during his lifetime that makes him so afraid of automatic doors and escalators? Because uh, it's very clear he's got something going on against automatic doors and escalators here. I won't make you answer that YouTube question. Videos. I won't make you answer that question. <laughs> uh, I do have something a little more serious here. I want to kind of do a, a bit of a lightning round. So I'm going to introduce a different article uh, each for each person, but comment on any of those. Tulsi Gabbard has just been confirmed to speak at CPAC. Chase Tulsi Gabbard is a Democrat. Tulsi Gabbard might be one of the most rational Democrats, but she's still a Democrat. She voted for Joe Biden. Self admits that herself says that she doesn't like what the Biden administration is doing. But what do you where do you think Tulsi Gabbard fits into the either the CPAC event itself or the conservative movement in, in total? You know, that's a really good question. First of all, I think it's classy that CPAC was willing, at least to reach out to a, a Democrat who they seemingly align with on a lot of issues. Right. I think that's a kind of a nice gesture to reach across the aisle to another American leader and um, extend that invitation to speak, especially since she's not currently holding any office, which I think is, you know, another interesting aspect of it. The other thing is, yeah, I understand that she voted for Biden, um, but I don't think she ever said she wasn't going to. And she's always been a Democrat, but she's an old school Democrat. She's like a 90s Democrat, like a very moderate, you know, patriotic veteran type Democrat. And so, you know, I could see how she would be a breath of fresh air to Republicans who wish that they were dealing with Democrats like her instead of Democrats like these radicalized Democrats. Um, and I think the other aspect of it is the left totally hates her and abandoned her. And the most beautiful thing that Tulsi did, let us not forget, was annihilate Kamala Harris in that debate, which basically ruined the entire presidential election for her. And so, you know, I don't, I don't necessarily think she's a friend of Republicans or a friend of Democrats, but I do think that she's earnestly trying to be a friend to America. I think, Vince, if we were going to hand out kudos to Democrats and invite them to come speak at CPAC, I think Joe Manchin might be a more important speaker. Although maybe they did. Maybe they did extend it and Joe Manchin wouldn't touch it with a 10-foot pole. I don't know. But just when you compare those two, I think Joe Manchin probably uh, has some uh, bona fides as it relates to being conservative right now, or at least for the conservative movement. Um, I'd agree with that. I think Joe Manchin certainly has some bona fides. He certainly has some votes uh, to back it up. But I will tell you, um, I'm, I was flipping through TikTok the other night. I think it was half asleep, and I and I a Tulsi Gabbard TikTok pops into my feed, and I and I just I went by it, and I was like, wait a minute, wait a minute. And I had actually listened to it again, and I was like, because it just you know I, it was lost on me for a second. She she sounds like one of the most reasonable conservatives out there right now with what she's what she's saying, and you know, I think I think CPAC extending the invite to her and and to any other Democrat that they may you know find some find some light ground with is a brilliant move at a time. And I've said this before on the show, and I've said this my entire life that the Republican Party. W w 
we are we are better at what we do and we certainly win more when we can invoke the big tent theory and try to bring everybody together as opposed to divide our party and of course the democrats they would love to you know keep that driving that wedge between all the factions in our party as much as they can and what they're doing is i think they're starting to fail more and more as they deal with their own divisions but my the point is i mean listen whether you know it's, it's reagan trump uh, but all of those, some of the some of the best Republicans were once Democrats before they became Republicans, and I think those are the things that we do need to keep in mind. And maybe maybe there is some you know some place for Tulsi Gabbard in the party as this thing develops down the road. Uh, I said I was going to change uh, stories as I moved around here, Britt, but I, I really want your take on this. Uh, you've got Tulsi Gabbard, who is becoming a bit of a celebrity among Republicans and conservative voters. They like what she has to say. I I like Tulsi Gabbard, but I've never heard her say anything that's really impressed me that much, where I feel like, you know, uh, I would jump on a, on a bandwagon where she's a vice presidential nominee for a Trump or someone else. A lot of people have suggested that would be a, something they'd support. I'm not there yet. Where do you fall when it comes down to some of these, let's say a Kevin McCarthy versus a Tulsi Gabbard? Where do you fall in that? Because Tulsi is a, is a Democrat and she will vote. Or she still holds a lot of Democrat beliefs. Yeah, I mean, Tulsi Gabbard is a Democrat and she's pretty anti-gun, so that's an out for me. Um, but, I mean, she's just a moderate. Um, and she definitely will probably smell better than McCarthy. So I would have to lean towards her just for that alone. Um, she probably has that sweet Hawaiian smell. Uh, especially at, especially after McCarthy's been out to dinner with Frank Luntz. You know she's going to smell yeah, better than exactly. that. Yeah, exactly. So, but, you know, I mean, honestly, I see I see Tulsi Gabbard. Look, I, I've heard her say stuff. I've scrolled across her TikTok like Vince has. And I stop and I listen to her. And she's just she's a moderate. I mean, she's not that... You know, like 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 the AOC or the squad, I always go, oh, God. But her, I can listen to. And I think she's mm -hmm. someone that we could have a debate with, not hate each other at the end, come to a compromise, old school style. That's what we need more of. And honestly, I see her on a week, uh, hosting a weekend show on Fox and maybe ending up into her own slot during the week. That's where I see her ending up, something like that. Um, I don't see her going, although maybe the new CNN, once the Discovery Channel fully takes over, she could end up there. Um, but, uh, uh, I definitely don't see her going to MSNBC, but I can see her on Fox doing that. Or, I mean, we're, 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 we're Tulsi, if Tulsi were to want to become a Republican or another party where she would be ideal is like taking over for a Susan Collins in a spot like that, someplace where we need a very moderate Republican to survive or to get elected because of the way the, the voting is. I mean, I get mad at Susan Collins or the McCallis, but I, sometimes I forget where they cover. I mean, it's just a... It's a very fickle area, so they can't be like they're in deep, deep red Texas. I'm not so, so sure that uh, maybe Vince, you might know, is Alaska that uh, fickle? I mean, Alaska is pretty red, isn't it? I, I would think, I would think Alaska is pretty red, um, unless there's some, unless you get an underlying issue that takes a place like that, you know, in a different direction. I would think, I, uh, I would. But think how do you? I, I mean, I, I, I can see, being there. well, I can see your it's point pretty, when it comes to question. Collins for sure. But I think Murkowski's only there because yeah. of her father's role uh, in putting her there. Oh, maybe. Well, maybe. yeah. But that's what I see. Tulsi might, might have to slide it, slide her into a, 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 a purple area. Uh, Chase, as you're battling uh, client issues here, uh, another 
article has appeared that is should give a lot of people a lot of cause for concern. Uh, it appears that uh, the Biden administration brought unvetted Afghans to many U.S. to the U.S., many of them flagged with security concerns, and they can no longer be located, Chase. They've been dispersed throughout the United States, taken into communities, set up, and now we don't know where they are. Does this surprise you? Not at all. Those who trade liberty for safety will have none and deserve neither, right? Something to that effect. And we've seen the perfect example of this is we gave away so many of our rights when we allowed the Patriot Act to be passed in the name of safety after 9-11. We still had the Boston bombing and we still have situations like this and we're no safer than we were before, but we're much less free. Edward Snowden came out 10 years ago and proved that we're all being spied on. And when Tucker got spied on last year, everyone was acting like it was some big surprise. It's like, come on, like th this is public knowledge. It's out there. They they can look through your webcams. They can listen through your phone. Even when your phone's off, you have to take the battery out of your phone if you don't want them to listen to you. If they if they if they intend to, that is. And it, so there's no privacy anymore. United States citizens are being spied on. It's not just Donald Trump that's being spied on. Shame on Hillary for doing what she did. So no, this doesn't surprise me at all that we're just reckless, recklessly exposing ourselves to dangers uh, and, and, and uh, recklessly throwing away all of our liberties at the same time. Vince, this is a Department of Defense report that revealed this. Uh, it's an explosive report conducted by the Department of Defense Inspector General, and it reveals that Biden administration brought dozens of Afghans to the United States without properly vetting them, and many of them were deemed, quote, significant security uh, had significant security concerns, uh, and they've gone missing. Now, during this uh, influx of Afghan refugees, a lot of people, mostly conservatives and maybe Fox News, were saying, these people aren't all vetted. How can we possibly know they're safe? And we were told to shut up once again. Yes, um, that is a problem. And and we've seen this in a number of places. And what they're doing is they're flying them into a lot of the, the smaller under-the-radar airports. I know, um, I, I'm not sure if they were Afghanistans, but I know, Afghanis, but uh, I do know that uh, uh, former Westchester County Executive here in New York, Rob Astorino, uh, obtained video of, of illegal immigrants being flown into the Westchester airport, which is about an hour north of, of New York City. And, and you had a bunch of uh, illegal immigrants put on buses and shipped off somewhere, and nobody seems to know where they, they went. But as far as the Democrats are concerned when it comes to safety and security of those immigrants, I, I'm sure that they force vaccinated them all before for, from COVID. So I'm sure <laughs> that's as safe as they need to be for, uh, for them. Britt, uh, we're talking about significant numbers here. To date, the Biden administration has resettled more than 74,400 Afghanis in American communities throughout 46 states. Uh, that's since mid-August 2021, and there's more on the way. Yeah, we're going to pay for this horrifically at some point. Um, however, I am glad that they are spreading them out now as opposed to putting them all in one spot. So that was London's big problem is they put them all in one spot so they never assimilated. We got so at least we're spreading them out. But yeah, this is all BS. It's all vote buying. They seem to think that these will be the next Democrats because it looks like the looks like the Hispanic community is gonna go the way of the Italians. They're very religious, they're very conservative, and they're not gonna be that uh that uh, solid voting block they were hoping for, like the African American community that votes for the Democrats at like ninety eight percent, which is beyond stupid if you ask me. 
Um, but uh, yeah, so they're 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 just importing more votes. That's what this is all about. Or or they want the explosions to go off to just totally disrupt it so they can do the great reset. I don't know. It seems like everything, if you really analyze it and break it down, it goes all the way back to create chaos so we can divide and conquer you, and then you serfs will rule. Uh, you serfs will serve us masters in the Elysium. Okay, so on that happy note, and knowing that Chase has bigger fish to fry right now, he's going to take care of some business. Uh, good. You know, it's I, all good. It's all good. It's done. Uh, Britt and I are headed to Florida, to Orlando, to attend that very CPAC conference. We are going to be broadcasting virtually nonstop from CPAC. Uh, it'll be an irregular schedule, but we'll try to give people as no much notice as possible. Uh, anytime we get an interview or something of interest, we'll, we'll go live with it. So we're looking forward to doing that we're going to bring uh, all of our regular guest panelists in and at some point throughout the weekend hopefully or through the in the week into the weekend hopefully and we're really looking forward to it so uh you know we know trump's going to be there we know desantis is going to be there and now we know tulsi gabbard's going to be there and they're going to be a bunch of other folks I'm totally there. going to hit on her <laughs> and i will make sure i get that on a live stream <laughs> i'm going to mic brit up he won't know and he'll be, hey baby you come around here often you're conservative around here often. <laughs> anyway, Chase. I have better game than that. Yeah, I know you do. I'm just picking on you. Uh, Chase, Vince, yeah, thanks for being here. Britt, what do we need people to do? Thank you. Smash them like buttons. Uh, subscribe on multiple platforms because we never know which was going to be and which is not. And send us piles of gold. All right. Thanks, everybody. Great to see you all. And we will see you next time. Mm -hmm.